Chapter 19 of The Lost Continent. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lost Continent by C. J. Cutcliffe Hine. Chapter 19 Destruction of Atlantis. A tottering old priest came up and touched me on the shoulder. Well, I said sharply, having small taste for interruption just now. News has been carried to the three, my king, of what is threatened. Then they will know that I stand here now, brother, to enjoy the finest fight of my life. When it is finished, I shall go to the gods, and be there standing behind the stars to welcome them when presently they also arrive. They have my regrets that they are too old and too feeble to die and look upon a fine killing themselves. I have commands from them, my king, to lay upon you, which I fear you will like but slenderly. You are forbidden to find your death here in the fighting. They have a further use for you yet." I turned on the old man angrily enough. "'I shall take no such order, my brother. I am not going to believe it was ever given. You must have misunderstood. If I am a man, if I am a priest, if I am a soldier, if I am a king, then it stands to my honor that no enemy should pass this gate whilst yet I live, and you may go back and throw that message at their teeth." The old man smiled enviously. He, too, had been a keen soldier in his day. "'I told them you would not easily believe such a message, and asked them for a sign, and they bore with me and gave me one. I was to give you this jewel, my king.' "'How came they by that?' It is a bracelet from the elbow of Nais. They must have stripped her of it. I did not know what came from Nais. The word I was to bring you said that the owner of the jewel was inside the Ark of the Mysteries, and waited you there. The use which the three have for you further concerns her also." Even when I heard that, I will freely confess that my obedience was sorely tried, and I have the less shame in setting it down on these sheets because I know that all true soldiers will feel a sympathy for my plight. Indeed, the promise of the battle was very tempting. But in the end my love for Nais prevailed, and I gave the salutation that was needful in token that I heard the order and obeyed it. To the knot of priests who were left for the defence I turned and made my farewells. "'You will have what I shall miss, my brothers,' I said. "'I envy you that fight.' But though I am king of Atlantis, still I am only one of the seven, and so am the servant of the three and must obey their order. They speak in words the will of the Most High Gods, and we must do as they command. You will stand behind the stars before I come, and I ask of you that you will commend me to those you meet there. It is not my own will that I shall not appear there by your side." They heard my words with smiles and very courteously saluted me with their weapons, and there we parted. I did not see the fight, but I know it was good, from the time which passed before Foranice's hordes broke out onto the crest of the mountain. They died hard, that last remnant of the lesser priests of Atlantis. With a sour enough feeling I went up to the head of the pass, and then through the groves and between the temples and colleges and houses which stood on the upper slopes of the sacred mountain 
till I reached that boundary beyond which, in milder days, it was death for any but the privileged few to pass. But the time, it appeared to me, was past for conventions, and, moreover, my own temper was hot, and it is likely that I should have strown on with little scruple if I had not been interrupted. But in the temple which marked the boundary, there was old Zaman waiting. And he, with due solemnity of words, and with the whole of some ancient ritual ordained for that purpose, sought dispensation from the high gods for my trespass, and would not give me way till he was through with his ceremony. Already Foranisa's tower and bridge were in position, for the clash and yelling of a fight told that the small handful of priests on the rampart of the last gate were bartering their lives for the highest return in dead that they could earn. They were trained fighting men all, but old and feeble, and the odds against them were too enormous to be stemmed for overlong. In a very short time the place would be put to the storm, and the roof of the sacred mountain would be at the open mercy of the invader. If there was any further thing to be done, it was well that it should be set about quickly whilst peace remained. It seemed to me that the moment for prompt action and the time for lengthy pompous ceremonial was done for good. But Zaman was minded otherwise. He led me up to the Ark of the Mysteries, and chided my impatience, and waited till I had given it my reverential kiss. And then he called aloud, and another old man came out of the opening which is in the top of the Ark, and climbed painfully down by the battens which are fixed on its sides. He was a man I had never seen before, hoary, frail, and emaciated, and he and Zaman were then the only two remaining priests who had been raised to the highest degree known to our clan, and who alone had the knowledge of the highest secrets and powers and mysteries. "'Look!' cried Zaman, in his shrill old voice, and swept a trembling finger over the shattered city, and the great spread of sea and country which lay in view of us below. I followed his pointing and looked, and a chill began to crawl through me. All was plainly shown. Our Lord the Sun burned high overhead in a sky of cloudless blue, and day shimmered in his heat. All below seemed from that distance peaceful and warm and still, save only that the mountains smoked more than ordinary and some spouted fires, and that the sea boiled with some strange disorder. But it was the significance of the sea that troubled me most. Far out on the distant coast it surged against the rocks in enormous rolls of surf and up the great estuary, at the head of which the city of Atlantis stands, it gushed in successive waves of enormous height which never returned. Already the lower lands on either side were blotted out beneath tumultuous waters, the harbour walls were drowned out of sight, and the flood was creeping up into the lower wards of the great city itself. "'You have seen?' asked Zaman. "'I have seen. You understand?' "'In part.' Then let me tell you all. This is the beginning, and the end will follow swiftly. The most high gods that sit behind the stars have a limit to even their sublime patience, and that has been passed. The city of Atlantis, the great continent that is beyond, and all that are in them are doomed to unutterable destruction. Of old it was foreseen that this great wiping out would happen through the sins of men and to this end the Ark of the Mysteries was built under the direction of the gods. No mortal implements can so much as scratch its surface, no waves or rocks wreck it. 
Inside is stored on sheets of the ancient writing all that is known in the world of learning that is not shared by the common people. Also there is grain in a store, and sweet water in tanks sufficient for two persons for the space of four years, together with seeds, weapons, and all such other matters as were deemed fit. Out of all this vast country it has been decreed by the high gods that two shall not perish. Two shall be chosen, a man and a woman, who are fit and proper persons to carry away with them the ancient learning to dispose of it as they see best, and afterwards to rear up a race who shall in time build another kingdom and do honour to our Lord the Sun and the other gods in another place. The woman is within the ark already, and seated in the place appointed for her, and though she is a daughter of mine, the burden of her choosing is with you. For the man the choice has fallen upon yourself." I was numb with the shock of what was befalling. I do not know that I care to be a survivor. "'You are not asked for your wishes,' said the old man. "'You are given an order from the high gods, who know you to be their faithful servant.' Habit rode strong upon me. I made salutation in the required form, and said that I heard and would obey. Then it remains to raise you to the sublime degree of the three, and if your learning is so small that you will not understand the keys to many of the powers and the highest of the mysteries when they are handed to you, that fault cannot be remedied now." Certainly the time remaining was short enough. The fight still raged down at the gate in the pass, though it was a wonder how the handful of priests had held their ground so long but the ocean rolled in upon the land in an ever-increasing flood, and the mountains smoked and belched forth more volleys of rock as the weight increased on their lower parts, and presently those that besieged the mountain could not fail to see the fate that threatened them. Then there would be no withholding their rush. In their mad fury and panic they would sweep all obstruction restlessly before them, and those who stood in their path might look to themselves but there was no hurrying Zaman and his fellow-sage. They were without temple for the ceremony, without sacrifice or incense to decorate it. They had but the sky for a roof to make their echoes, and the gods themselves for witnesses. But they went through the work of raising me to their own degree, with all the grand and majestic form which has gathered dignity from the ages, and by no one sentence did they curtail it. A burning mountain burst with a bellowing roar as the incoming waters met its fires, but gravely they went on, in turn reciting their sentences. For Nisa's troops broke down the last resistance and poured in in a frenzied stream amongst the groves and temples, but still they quavered never in the ritual. It had been said that this ceremony is the grandest and the most impressive of all those connected with our holy religion, and certainly I found it so and I speak as one intimate with all the others. Even the tremendous circumstances which hemmed them in could do nothing to make these frail old men forget the deference which was due to the highest order of the clan. For myself I will freely own I was less rapt. I stood there bareheaded in the heat, a man trying to concentrate himself, and yet torn the while by a thousand foreign emotions. The awful thing that was happening all around compelled some of my attention. A continent was in the very act and article of meeting with complete destruction, 
and if Zaman and the other priests were strong enough to give their minds wholly up to a matter parochial to the priesthood, I was not so stoical. And, moreover, I was filled with other anxieties and thoughts concerning Nais. Yet I managed to preserve a decent show of attention to the ceremony, making all those responses which are required of me, and trying as well as might be to preserve in my mind those sentences which were the keys to power and learning, and not mere phrasings of grandeur and devotion. But it became clear that if the ceremony of my raising did not soon arrive at its natural end, it would be cut short presently with something of suddenness. For Anissa's conquering legion swarmed out onto the crest of the mountain, and now carried full knowledge of the dreadful thing that was come upon the country. They were out of all control, and ran about like men distracted, but knowing full well that the priests would have brought this terrible wreck to pass by virtue of the powers which were stored within the Ark of the Mysteries, it would be their natural impulse to pour out a final vengeance upon any of these same priests they could come across before it was too late. It began to come to my mind that, if the ceremony did not very shortly terminate, the further part of the plan would stand very small chance of completion, and I should come by my death after all by fighting to a finish, as I had pictured to myself before. My flickering attention saw the soldiers coming always nearer in their frantic wanderings, and saw also the sea below rolling deeper and deeper in upon the land. The fires, too, which ringed in half the mountain, spurted up to double their old height, and burned with an unceasing roar. But for all distraction these things gave to the two old priests who were raising me, we might have been in the quietness of some ancient temple, with not so much as a fly to buzz an interruption. But at last an end came to the ceremony. "'Kneel!' cried Zaman, "'and make obeisance to your mothers the earth, and swear by the high gods that you will never make improper use of the powers over her which this day you have been granted.' When I had done that, he bade me rise as a fully installed and duly initiated member of the three. "'You will have no opportunity to practice the workings of this degree with either of us, my brother,' said he, "'for presently our other brother and I go to stand before the gods to deliver to them an account of our trust, and of how we have carried it out. But what items you remember here and there may turn of use to you hereafter. And now we too give you our farewells, and promise to commend you highly to the gods when soon we meet them in their place behind the stars.' Climb now into the ark, and be ready to shut the door which guards it, if there is any attempt by these raging people to invade that also. Remember, my brother, it is the gods' direct will that you and the woman Nais go from this place living and sound, and you are expressly forbidden to accept challenge or provocation to fight on any pretext whatever. But as long as may be done in safety, you may look out upon Atlantis in her death throes. It is very fitting that one of the only two who are sent hence alive should carry the full tale of what has befallen." I went to the top of the Ark of Mysteries then, climbing there by the battens which are fastened to the sides, and then descended by the stair which is inside and found Nais in a little chamber waiting for me. "'I was bidden stay here by Zaman,' she said, who forced me to this place by threats and also by promises that my lord would follow. He is very ungentle, that father of mine, but I think he has a kindness for us both, 
and anyway he is my father and I cannot help loving him. Is there no chance to save him from what is going to happen? He will not come into this ark, for I asked him. It has been ordained from the ancient time when first the ark was built, that when the day for its purpose came, one woman and one man should be its only tenants, and they are here already. Zaman's will in the matter is not to be twisted by you or by me. He has a message to be delivered to the gods, and, if I know him at all, he grudges every minute that is lost in carrying it to them." I left her then, and went out again up the stair, and stood once more on the roof of the ark. On the mountaintop men still ran about distracted, but gradually they were coming to where the ark rested on the highest point. For the moment, however, I passed them lightly. The drowning of the great continent that had been spread out below filled the eye. Ocean roared in upon it with still more furious waves. The plains and the level lands were foaming lakes. The great city of Atlantis had vanished eternally. The mountains alone kept their heads above the flood, and spewed out rocks and steam and boiling stone, or burst when the waters reached them and created great whirlpools of surging sea and twisted trees and bubbling mud. In the space of a few breaths every living creature that dwelt in the lower grounds had been smothered by the waters, save for a few who huddled in a pair of galleys that were driven oarless inland, over what had once been black forest and hunting-land for the beasts. And even as I watched, these also were swallowed up by the horrid turmoil of sea, and nothing but the sea-beasts and those of the greater lizards which can live in such outrageous waters could have survived even that state of the destruction. Indeed, none but those men who had now found standing-ground on the upper slopes of the sacred mountain survived, and it was plain that their span was short, for the great mass of the continent sank deeper and more deep every minute before our aching eyes, beneath the boiling inrush of the seas. But though the great mass of the soldiery were dazed and maddened at the prospect of the overwhelming which threatened them, there were some with a strength of mind too valiant to give any outward show of discomposure. Presently a compact little body of people came out from the houses and the temples, and headed directly across the open ground towards the ark. On the outside marched Foranice's personal guards with their weapons new-blooded. They had been forced to fight a way through their own fellow-soldiers. The poor demented creatures had thought it was every one for himself now, till these guards, by their mistress's order, proved to them that for a niece still came first. And in the middle of them, borne in a litter of gold and ivory by her grotesque European slaves, rode the empress, still calm, still lovely, and seemingly divided in her sentiments between contempt and amusement. Her two children lay in the litter at her feet. On her right hand marched Tatho gorgeously apparelled, and with a beard curled and plaited into a thousand ringlets. On the other side, plying her industry with unruffled defence, walked Ilga, once again fangirl, and so still second lady in this dwindling kingdom. The party of them halted half a score of paces from the ark by Foranice's order. "'Do not go near to those unclean old men. They carry a rank odour with them, and for the moment we are short of essences to sweeten the air of their neighbourhood.' She lifted her eyebrows and looked up at me. Truly, a quiet little gathering of old acquaintances. Why, there is Deucalion, 
that once I took the flavor of and threw aside when he cloyed me. "'I have Nais here,' I said, "'and presently we two will be all that are left alive of this nation.' "'Nais is quite welcome to my leavings,' she laughed. "'I will look down upon your country cooings when presently I go back to the place behind the stars from which I came. You are a very rustic person, Deucalion. They tell me, too, that three or four of these smelling old men up here have named you king. Did you swell much with dignity? Or did you remember that there was a pretty empress left that would still be empress so long as there was an Atlantis to govern? Come, sir, find your tongue. By my face, you must have hungered for me very madly these years we have been parted, if new-grown ruggedness of feature is an evidence. Have your jibe. I do not jibe back at a woman who presently will die. Bah! Deucalion, you will live behind the times. Have they not told you that I know the great secret, and am indeed a goddess now? My arts can make life run on eternally." Then the waters will presently test them hard, I said, but there the talk was taken into other lips. Zaman went forward to the front of the litter with the symbol of our Lord the Sun glowing in his hand, and burst into a flow of cursing. It was hard for me to hear his words. The roar of the waters which poured up over the land and beat in vast waves against the sacred mountain itself grew nearer and more loud. But the old man had his say. Fornice gave orders to her guards for his killing. Yes tried even to rise from the litter and do the work herself. But Zaman held the symbol to his front, and its power in that supreme moment mastered all the arts that could be brought against it. The majesty of the Most High Gods was vindicated, and that splendid Empress knew it and lay back sullenly amongst the cushions of her litter, a beaten woman. Only one person in that rigid knot of people found power to leave the rest, and that was Ilga. She came out to the side of the ark and leaned up and cried me a farewell through the gathering roar of the flood. "'I would I might save you and take you with us,' I said. "'As for that,' she said with a gesture, "'I would not come if you asked me. I am not a woman that will take anything less than all. But I shall meet what comes presently with the memory that you will have me always somewhere in your recollection. I know somewhat of men, even men of your stamp, Deucalion, and you will never forget that you came very near to loving me once." I think, too, she said something further concerning Nais, but the bellowing rush of the waters drowned all other words. A great mist made from the stream sent up by the swamped burning mountains stopped all accurate view, though the blaze from the fires lit it like gold but I had a last sight of a horde of soldiery rushing up the slopes of the mountain, with a scum of surge billowing at their heels, and licking many of them back in its clutch. And then my eye fell on old Zaman waving to me with the symbol to shut down the door in the roof of the ark. I obeyed his last command and went down the stair, and closed all ingress behind me. There were bolts placed ready, and I shot these into their sockets and there were Nais and I alone, and cut off from all the rest of our world that remained. I went to the place where she lay and put my arms tightly around her. Without we heard men beating desperately on the ark with their weapons, and some even climbed by the battens to the top and wrenched to try and move the door from its fastenings. 
the end was coming very nearly to them now, and the gray crowd of them were mad with terror. I would have given much to have known how Foranice fared in that final tumult and how she faced it. I could see her, with her lovely face and her wondrous eyes and her ruddy hair curling about her neck, and by all the gods I thought more of her at that last moment than of the poor land she had conquered and misgoverned and brought to this horrid destruction. There is no denying the fascination which Foranice carried with her. But the end did not dally long with its coming. There was a little surge that lifted the ark a hand's breadth or so in its cradle, and set it back again with a jar and a quiver. The blows from axes and weapons ceased on its lower part, but redoubled into frenzied batterings on its rounded roof. There were some screams and cries also, which came to us but dully through the thickness of its ponderous sheathing, though likely enough they were sent forth at the full pitch of human lungs outside. And when another surge came, roaring and thundering, which picked up the great vessel as though it had been a feather and spun it giddily, and after that we touched earth or rock no more. We tossed about on the crest and troughs of delirious seas, a sport for the greedy gods of the ocean. The lamp had fallen, and we crouched there in darkness, dully weighed with a burden of knowledge that we alone were saved out of what was yesterday a mighty nation. End of chapter 19